We plant corn in Iowa, spray soybeans in Illinois. We pull calves in Kansas, farrow hogs in Minnesota. We raise rice in Arkansas, rye in Canada, and wheat everywhere in between. We farm millions of acres across North America and build every piece of Case IH equipment. Built by farmers, for farmers. Case IH, rethink productivity. and marketing partner of choice for the evolving agricultural community. Now, here's your host, Brent Adams. Welcome to another episode of Fast Line Fast Track presented by Case IH. On this episode, we'll catch up with our friends from Case IH to talk about things producers should consider when planning for 2020. We'll also take you back to Sunbelt Ag Expo 2019 to feature some of the Southeast's best ag schools. Finally, we'll share an interview with singer-songwriter Erin Enderlin, whose new album, Faulkner County, came out on November 1st. She celebrated by performing two shows on the Grand Ole Opry at the Historic Ryman Auditorium. But before she did, she sat down with us to talk about her career and the new album. You won't want to miss a moment of it. Let's go! First up this week on Fast Line Fast Track, we're going to touch base with a couple veterans of Fast Line Fast Track. Uh, You've heard them here before, and uh, we love having them because they're great guests. We've got Bill Weber, the Case IH High Horsepower Tractor Marketing Manager, and Leo Bose, the Case IH Advanced Farming System and Harvesting Marketing Leader. And guys, welcome to Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you. So first of all, uh, uh, I want to uh, just start out by, uh, I'll throw this to you, Bill, first, and then to Leo. If each one of you could tell our listeners a bit about uh, what your role uh, with Case IH entails. Absolutely. I'm the uh, North American Marketing Lead for High Horsepower Tractors. That would be the Staggered and Magnum product lines, uh, again, for U.S. and Canada. Uh, So I have the go-to-market responsibility for those products as well as the used product that comes off of it. And Leo? Yeah, you bet, Brent. Uh, Similar to Bill, though, uh, the products that I follow on the marketing manager lead level is our harvesting products, which would be our axial flow combines and our lineup of headers, as well as our advanced farming systems products. What that is is both uh, onboard and offboard of our digital solutions. So whether it be our uh, displays, receivers inside that vehicle, or the digital environment that we live in today, um, I'm in charge of that segment uh, for the business. Okay, so uh, let's jump into it here. 2019, uh, by, by all accounts, for, from many producers, has been a challenging year. So I want to start off by asking in general, uh, what, what are you guys hearing from producers? Uh, I'll go ahead and start. Uh, some we've heard that were surprised by their yields, a positive side of it. Uh, obviously, there's many areas of the eastern uh, Corn Belt that had some huge issues with getting in as far as their acreage is concerned, and even some of the western Corn Belt. Um, I think they're a little bit surprised at some of the yields. Had a discussion with a guy a day or two ago that uh, they were combining beans, very, very low moisture, but beans are still green as far as the plant was concerned and everything else. So that creates its own challenges. 
as far as being able to harvest them. The uh, beans are dry, and yet the pods and everything else are a little bit wet and still green. Uh, so it's made it an interesting fall and an interesting harvest, which we're just in the midst of, um, especially up here in the, in the Northland or Midwest portion of the U.S. I think everybody is cautiously optimistic when it comes to trade issues, prices as we see things coming at the end of the year and as we go through the last part of this fourth quarter of the calendar year. Um, things have, cha- have challenged as far as pricing is concerned up and down throughout this year, and there's been quite a bit of a volatility. Those who manage through it um, have the opportunity to probably make some, make some good uh, gains as far as the land that they cover and also their profitability. And I, quite frankly, personally, believe that we will see a good quarter coming up here. Uh, farmers will get an opportunity to figure out what they have in the bin here later this year and where they're at as far as income. And that should create opportunities for not only new equipment sales, but also used equipment sales, too. So going to a lot of these farm shows, as we do here, especially over the last uh, month and a half or so, I think the consensus is that uh, a lot of folks are ready to get 2019 behind them, wipe the slate clean, and uh, get ready for 2020. With that said, now's the time for producers to start looking at their books and seeing what kind of equipment they need to add to their fleets. Leo, if you could, give us a rundown of some of the new equipment uh, that Case IH is featuring for 2020. Yeah, you know, when producers, you know, work with their local dealers, they can look at our Case IH portfolio. And when you look at it, this year's expanded. And uh, specifically, we look at the Axial Flow Combine, the new 250 series. It's all about that high-efficiency harvesting or high-efficiency farming. And, and talking with producers, as Bill just alluded to, is, is they're seeing yields today that, quite frankly, we look at 2019, the way it started off, uh, progressively getting – uh, I would say above where they thought it was going to be. Now, coupled to that would be is on those systems, we use a telematic system called AFS Connect. So they can actually physically not only manage their fleets, but manage the data as well as look at and visualize the data coming off of that field. So not only we can look at yield and moisture, but then when you look at our Patriot sprayer, so the 4440 now coming with larger and wider uh, you know, a larger tank as well as wider booms. But then when we get ready for spring planting, our new 2160 early riser planter, and it's specifically in configurations now that have split row configurations, whether it would be for soybeans or specialty crops that go up to 47 rows, you know, with 15-inch spacing, and then couple that with 24-inch rows with 30-inch spacing gives you the ultimate one-two punch in the field for that efficiency of switchover. And when you look at, you know, last but not least, uh, when you get into the cereal grain area, looking at our new FlexHole 900 air drill, it's really focused in on that agronomic design to not only help producers efficiently seed those small grains, but it's really taking into account any ground uh, conditions that we have. So with the lineup we have, we should have a one-two punch for any producer out there looking to expand their fleet for 2020. So we love talking tractors on this show and um, hearing a whole lot about uh, KSIH's new four-wheel drive lineup. Bill, what can you tell us about it? Uh, well, so far, publicly, we've only announced the, uh, the Magnum tractors when it comes to the uh, new AFS Connect Magnum. 
the freedom that it provides. In the not-too-distant future, uh, we will be upgrading our four-wheel drive uh, product line. But there's some really great features in the tractor of today. Uh, one of which would be the CVX drive, and that's a, a constantly variable transmission in a four-wheel drive up to 540 rated uh, horsepower. That CVX drive allows you to set whatever speed you want to as far as in the field and allows the tractor to manage its transmission speed and engine for the best fuel economy and also driving the most or the best power to the ground. So our four-wheel drive in, or tractors are very advanced as far as their transmissions and, and the ability to, to do that. It also matches very good with the planter that uh, Leo just discussed as far as some of the larger planters and the speeds that we see today. Uh, that CVX drive allows the customer to select 7, 8, 9, 10 mile an hour as far as that planter is concerned, and then the tractor does what it needs to do in order to hold its hydraulic pressure and then also that speed throughout the field. And, and also couple that CVX drive with our Rotrack tractor, uh, we design a, a tractor that has the capability to fit into 30-inch rows in narrow row tracks in order to be able to, one, put 500, over 500 horsepower to the ground efficiently, but also limit or reduce compaction because of the row track design. It puts a lot more footprint on the ground than what's available as far as uh, tires are concerned. The Spagger Road Track is a balanced tractor, actually ships more of a 50-50 type split. Uh, that allows us to put equal horsepower to the ground to the front and to the rear. And uh, what we, the way that we do that is through the uh, tri-point oscillation on the back of the tractor. Uh, that has a, has a six-inch bar that helps transfer some of the weight and the pull to the front of the tractor so that the tractor's evenly split as far as its pull, evenly split as far as when it goes through a turn, and does a better job of putting that uh, power where it's needed right at the ground. So we've heard a lot about the iron that goes into these tractors, but I know when we go to a lot of these farm shows like we have here recently, uh, the one thing that everybody seems to want to be talking about is technology. Uh, wh what can you tell us about the technology that, that goes into a, each piece of Case IH equipment? Yeah, Brent, and, you know, technology for us, it, it all starts with connecting with the vehicle. And, and during the fall farm shows, and actually this fall, you know, time is of the essence to get that, you know, crop out before this upcoming weather comes through. So we use our AFS Connect portal as our gateway into uh, not only all of our tractors, but as well as our combine. So when we, we look at that, it allows us to get not only current information, we can look at that unit that's running in the field from that tractor specifically, looking at fleet information, but we can also then have the agronomic data from that vehicle uh, and be able to view that. now. It allows producers to not only identify those problems, but allows them to gain deeper insights. And we talk about time. It's all about logistics at this time and trying to understand 
okay, how many bushels per hour are we doing with that axial flow combine? How do I schedule trucks to the field? All those things that tend to, in this wetter crop conditions, drying intervals are a little longer. So now uh, that producer needs these insights to really truly understand how can I make the best and most efficient time. But producers will tell us they want a secure way to transfer that data as well uh, into the cloud. So AFS Connect gives us that uh, ability to do that. But then we want to take that right down to the field level. So as a producer, I want to try to look at and gain some insights right down to that specific field. And then I also want to have that ability to transfer that information or that data to a trusted provider. So you have the freedom with AFS Connect to actually transfer that data to that third, third party. And with the recent release of the AFS Connect Magnum Tractor, we now have additional features through AFS Connect that allow not only efficiency, but productivity increases, and it reduces overall downtime, but it's keeping the operators in the field. So one of the areas we wanted to talk about is remote display viewing. So we have now the capability through AFS Connect on the new AFS Connect Magnum Tractor to have actually the farm manager and or the dealer to view what's on that display remotely. So we're actually seeing what the operator is seeing. So now we can coach and be there to explain or walk through uh, any of those things that they're seeing in the field. But that allows our dealers to provide a deeper service support and whether that would be 10, 15, 30 miles from the dealership to give that remote service and be proactive uh, and without needing to actually physically visit that unit. We also can then take the updates for software and do that remotely as well. So that gives us increased efficiency so we don't have to go out and hook up our electronic service tool to you know, have new software added to it. Now we can do that with what we call remote service software updates, and we can do that remotely through the air. So at the end of the day, it's all about using AFS Connect to be not only efficient, but increasing productivity uh, for the producers. So it sounds like this technology can really help producers be more productive day-to-day. Leo, what features would you recommend that producers add to their current tractors? Well, let's take a little deeper dive into that AFS Connect Magnum. And we use a number of focus groups, and we focused in on the new AFS Pro 1200 display. And what we wanted to do was to create it as an intuitive environment. And what you would see that when you get up in this tractor cap today with AFS Connect Magnum, we have a Vision Pro operating system. And that Vision Pro operating system works really like your phone. So when you look at the Android or iOS device that you have, it really is one or two clicks away from what you want to control on the vehicle or see. But it's integrated as well into that multifunction handle into the right-hand console. So we look at that display and, and we have an umbrella that's in front of it that says it's the Vision Pro operating system. And that Vision Pro operating system it's really familiar from a customer that had been in a previous display, an AFS Pro 700 display, and now going to the AFS Pro 1200. So it gives that technology edge for those producers that want to look at maybe the different operating preferences. So it allows them to customize 
and allow them to make those changes to that display. But we also kept in some what we call pre-programmed hotkeys. So it allows us to actually give shortcuts so I can look at making on the fly adjustments that I know that I want to be doing on that early riser planner. Um, I can actually now have that hotkey, but we can configure that Vision Pro operating system for that customer. So coupled to that up on top of the cab is our new AFS Vector Pro receiver. So that gives us seamless integration of our guidance correction sources, whether it be you know WAS or we now get down to sub-inch accuracy, RTK level. Our AFS Vector Pro receiver allows us to do that. At the end of the day, it's all about repeatability. And with our AccuGuide system, AutoGuide system, we can pair that and get repeatability, not only you know pass after pass, but year over year. So when we look at you know those areas, when we look at specifically uh, script tail applications where we need that repeatability, not only pass by pass, but year over year, we have it with the VFS Vector Pro receiver. Now, when you look at to couple that all together, we talk about the AFS Connect Magnum Tractor will end with the 250 series axial flow combine. And we did debuted this past year AFS Harvest Command, and it's really redefining our harvesting process. And it's AFS Harvest Command that not only reduces the number of functions what that operator has to do in that cab because they typically had to monitor the harvest and then they would make maybe a rotor speed or a clean fan speed adjustment or an upper or lower sieve. Now we do that all on the fly. It's automated. So now that operator can pick really four different strategies. And whether they want, you know, grain quality, they want maximum throughput, or they want a fixed throughput, or they want a performance setting, which basically takes those three and puts them together in that performance setting. Now they can actually use AFS Harvest Command to adjust that combine and optimize that combine throughout the field. So a pretty suite of offering that allows us to not only increase productivity day to day, but it's those produce, you know, producers can add that within their current fleet but they can also take advantage of those features we just talked about in our new AFS Connect Magnum as well as our 250 Series Access Work Online. So where can producers find out more information about AFS Connect and Case IH High Horsepower Tractors? Oh, in your marketplace, uh, you know, our customers can go right into the Case IH dealer, and our Case, Case IH dealers are knowledgeable on the product. So talk with their salesman or the precision farming specialist on any of the products we talked about here today, or they can check out additional information on caseih.com. All right. Well, make sure you go check them out. We, we took a pretty deep dive here into everything that they have going on with tractors and combines and uh, AFS Connect, and uh, uh, there's a lot of really cool, innovative stuff here. We want you to go check them out. Again, caseih.com. And Bill Weber and Leo Bose, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us on Fast Line Fast Track, and we really appreciate Case IH throwing its support behind our show. Thank you. Thank you, Brent. We plant corn in Iowa, spray soybeans in Illinois. We pull calves in Kansas, farrow hogs in Minnesota. We raise rice in Arkansas, rye in Canada, and wheat everywhere in between. We farm millions of acres across North America and build every piece of Case IH equipment. Built by farmers, for farmers. Case IH. Rethink productivity.
And now we want to take you back to Sunbelt Ag Expo 2019, which was held a couple of weeks ago in Moultrie, Georgia. While I was there, I had the opportunity to talk with representatives of various ag schools throughout the Southeast about their programs and the things students should consider when choosing the right program for them. First up, we talk with Pam Cummins with the University of Georgia. Back on Fast Line Fast Track, and now it's my pleasure to welcome in Pam Cummins, who's the Director of Student Recruitment for the College of Agricultural and Environmental Sciences at the University of Georgia in Athens. And uh, Pam, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Well, thank you kindly. So they have got uh, 22 different majors within that college and everything you could think of ag-related and uh, one of the premier programs that, that we look at, not throughout the Southeast, but in the United States. Uh, Pam, what's new in the, uh, in the college? Well, you know, agriculture is the number one industry in the state of Georgia, so we have so many majors that students can use to apply for anything, logistics, um, hospitality, uh, communications, marketing, um, law. We have the highest percentage of students getting into professional programs like vet school, med school, law school, dental, PTPA, because of the applied learning that you get in our college. You're not just sitting in a classroom, you're actually taking what you're learning and applying it. And about how many students are in the college? We have about 1,800 students in our college, and we give over $290,000 away in scholarships every year. So you do the math, about 70% of the students that apply get some sort of an award. And uh, do you have a sense of the breakdown of, uh, of in-state versus out-of-state students? Um, it's We've had a lot of visitors from out of state, especially this summer. Um, but as far as, I think it's about even. We don't really have a majority of in-state and a majority of out-of-state. It's a really good mixture. Our admissions office does a great job of, of recruiting all across the United States and within Georgia as well. And of all the majors within the college, what are some of the more popular ones? Our bio-sci major is pretty popular, applied biotech, animal science, of course. Um, UGA's vet school is a great shoe-in. Uh, we do a lot of uh, recruitment for any of the pre-professional programs, um, just getting those students prepared, and those majors are very popular. Poultry science is coming up, avian biology. Um, animal health is one of our fast tracks to get in um, to vet school. Um, Agribusiness, agri-communications is really popular too. Students love getting into media and social media and things like that as well. As far as the students getting ready to get prepared, if they're a high school junior or senior and they're starting to, to look around, what are some of the things that they should consider when they're considering a career in the ag field? They definitely should go and visit an institution. I'm a big fan of that. I mean, you wouldn't buy a car without driving it first. Why would you apply to a bunch of schools without visiting? So definitely visit and try. And if you have a focus that you're interested in, sit down with a professor, sit in on a classroom, or meet with some students. Have the someone like me introduce you to some students and have lunch with them, um, just to get an idea of what you have to experience so they can make the best choice for themselves. And coming into a program like this, what what are some of the things that uh, that that make students well qualified to uh, be a part of the program here? Well, we find that we get about 25% of our students from the FFA and 4-H. A lot of students have no agricultural background whatsoever. They just sort of learn about it and come into our college, come for a visit, and just become exposed to it and just love it. And we just have a really great family feel in our college. Um, a lot of students that are interested in professional programs, especially like med school and law school, don't have that agricultural background, but get experience with it and know that they can take that anywhere. So 
if you're interested, go check them out at www.caes.uga.edu slash academics. Again, caes.uga.edu slash academics. Go check out everything they have to offer. And Pam, we appreciate you taking the time to join us on Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you and go dogs. Next, we chatted up Charlotte Emerson, the Director of Student Recruitment and Development for the University of Florida College of Agriculture and Life Sciences. Charlotte, it's great to finally meet you. Thank you so much. Wonderful to meet you. Thank you for being here. Uh, we're glad to be here and uh, checking out this beautiful University of uh, uh, Florida building here uh, on the uh, Sunbelt Ag Expo campus. Uh, just so many things to see, so many cool projects that, uh, uh, that the university is involved in. And uh, Charlotte, tell us a bit about the school, how many majors you have within it and, and what are some of the uh, popular programs right now? The College of Agricultural and Life Sciences at the University of Florida has 23 majors and within those majors 50 specializations. So we can do anything from agricultural education and communication to wildlife ecology and conservation to everything in between. Um, students don't have a hard time finding somewhere to be and something that they're passionate about and I guess that's what we're really hoping students will do is find their passions and find their niche in one of those 23 majors. And one of the things that you told me last year that's really stuck with me and as I I've talked to other people around the country about education and, and young people getting into agriculture is not even just the vocation itself, but it's some of the uh, uh, the leadership and the, the teamwork skills uh, that they need to learn to come out to, to really be productive in this industry. Absolutely. You know, students think about, you know, what is it that I want to do specifically? And they forget about those leadership opportunities, the opportunity to expose themselves to different cultures by studying abroad. Um, we encourage them to do research and immerse themselves in something that may be new to them. College is about gathering information and then one day when you when you are looking for a job, then you have that opportunity to disseminate what you've learned. But really it's about where is it that you fit best and, and how can we help you get there in the end? And so if students are, are looking to uh, uh, set up uh, college tours, uh, how should they go about doing that? And when they get there, what are some of the questions that they should be asking? Well, for the University of Florida and specifically the College of Agricultural and Life Sciences, uh, twice a semester we offer what's called Navigatoring. And you can find that on our website at www.cals.ufl.edu. Uh, but that opportunity allows students to come to campus and spend the day with us. We send them to class, we do a campus tour, and we also pair them up with their departments of interest. So whatever majors they're interested in, we send them to that department so that they can take a look at the laboratory equipment and facilities and visit with faculty members and the advisors in that particular department so that they can get a good idea of what they need to be doing while they're in high school. Um, you know, we talk with students on a daily basis. We'll answer emails, uh, send them information if they want to gather more information about the college. Uh, but really it's about feeling at home whenever you're visiting a college and asking the right questions and, you know, how can I apply for scholarships? Are there internship opportunities? What is the opportunity for research? Um, can I be a part of a master's program and study abroad all at the same time? All right. So uh, make sure you go check those guys out. They have got uh, one of the most uh, progressive and well-rounded ag programs in the United States of America. So go check them out at www.cals.ufl.com. Edu. Again, CALS, C-A-L-S dot U-F-S dot E-D-U. And Charlotte Emerson, we appreciate you taking the time to join us on Fast Line Fast Track. 
Thank you so much, and go Gators. And I want to bring in Macaulay Frierson, who's with Student Recruitment in the William B. Bookard Student Services Center, College of Agriculture, Forestry, and Life Sciences at Clemson. Hey, Macaulay, welcome into the program. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having us on today. We uh, are here representing the College of Ag, Forestry, and Life Sciences from Clemson University. We've got 12 very unique majors. Um, we've got our plant science programs, our agricultural programs, natural resource programs. Here at the Expo today, we're showcasing mainly our agricultural mechanization and business program. We've got about 12 students down here with us uh, working on their research. We've got some ag safety going on that we're doing a new program with Farm Bureau, FFA, and 4-H um, to help educate the next generation on agricultural safety, power equipment and power tool safety, um, as well as electrical safety. So that's one of our main focus, kind of in the center centerpiece of the building. And then our cutaway tractor that we have a prototype John Deere that we've cut down to um, basically destroy and show kind of what it looks like from the inside out. So within the agricultural mechanization and business program, what, what all does that entail? What do you get into there? So our students from our agricultural mechanization and business program are going out um, with technical skills to be in the field, um, doing sales for uh, fertilizer companies, pesticide companies, seed companies, as well as working for large equipment, equipment companies. We have folks that are in the production agriculture side of things as well as processing, as well as ag finance. So it just kind of depends on what their area of interest are. Um, you get, you take courses in hydraulics, mobile power, uh, electrical systems. So you have a really great foundation to go into a variety of variety of careers. And this is the time of year when a lot of students are starting to uh, look around and make decisions if they are interested. How do they uh, uh, get hooked up to uh, tour the college? And what, what are some of the things that they should know going in? So a biggest piece of advice is our application deadline is December 1st for priority notification. So that automatically enrolls you for any out-of-state recruiting scholarships um, and guarantees notification by mid-February. Um, but we would love to love to have you on campus. We offer a general campus walking tour that you can register for online at clemson.edu slash visit. And then as well as each major and department do individualized meetings with prospective students. So we really want to get you on campus, show you our facilities, not only in agriculture, but all, all of our partners across campus as well. well. That's excellent. We appreciate you taking the time, Macaulay, to talk to us about all this. And again, if you want to know more about them, make sure you head to clemson.edu and, uh, and uh, do some investigation, get down there and check out that campus. Macaulay, thanks so much. Thank you. Now I'm with Josh Woods, who's the Director of Communications and Marketing for the College of Agriculture at Auburn University. Uh, the school's rocking on the football field. And they've also got it going on out in the fields as well. And uh, uh, Josh, welcome to Fast Line Fast Track. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. They've had uh, one of the more highly trafficked booths here at the uh, Sunbelt Ag Expo. A great showing here from the folks down at Auburn. For folks who are unfamiliar, how, how many majors within the uh, uh, College of Agriculture? We have 14 undergraduate majors. Okay, well, what are some of the more popular ones? Uh, probably the, the most popular is animal sciences, particularly the pre-vet track, but we also have a very strong uh, enrollment in our um, ag business and economics major, and um, poultry science is one of our uh, strongest programs as well. And this is the time of year when a lot of students are, are starting to, to look at schools. How do they get hooked up with you for a college tour? And what are some of the things that they should be considering as they start to apply to school? Uh, well, first of all, uh, one thing to consider is, you know, how do you like science? Uh, we, all of our majors are, or most of our majors are very, very strong in the sciences. So 
we look for students who uh, who have a, a strong uh, science uh, mind and who enjoy uh, hands-on uh, hands-on work and hands-on types of learning. Uh, to visit us uh, in, in person, just uh, uh, go to our website agriculture.auburn.edu, and there will uh, be on that page a uh, a button that says uh, visit now or vi visit us. Just click that and. Uh, schedule a visit. Well, make sure you go and, and check these guys out here. And uh, they, they've got so much innovative work going on. Uh, de definitely worth checking out. Make sure you check out that website. It's agriculture.auburn.edu. I'll give it to you again. That's agriculture.auburn.edu. Go check out everything going on uh, with Auburn Agriculture. And Josh Woods, we appreciate you taking the time to join us on Fast Line Fast Track. Oh, thank you. And at Sunbelt, it wasn't just the large schools represented. We also had the opportunity to speak with Marquinta Gonzalez, the Director of Ag Communications with Fort Valley State University in Fort Valley, Georgia. Marquinta, welcome into Fast Sign Fast Track. Oh, thank you. Welcome. They've got a beautiful building here with the uh, Wildcats blue and yellow here, and it's just packed with people uh, coming in and listening to ag demonstrations. Tell us a bit about the program at the College of Agriculture, Family Sciences, and Technology at Fort Valley State. At Fort Valley State University, we train our students in the areas of uh, technology and research. We have biotechnology. Uh, we also have the plant science and animal science majors. We also have family consumer science majors, including we have uh, our extension, co cooperative extension program, and that is our outreach effort here in Georgia in several counties that help farmers and families and youth. And uh, we would definitely uh, encourage you to uh, check out those resources if you're into farming, ranching, anything to do with agriculture because they are a wealth of information. This is a time of year when, when students are really starting to make decisions about colleges. When they come to see you, what are the things that they should do to get hooked up with a college tour and what should they consider when they're uh, looking for a school overall? They should definitely attend uh, or go to our website uh, fvsu.edu and check out the different majors and programs that we have. Our number one majors are mathematics, veterinary science, electronic engineering and technology and a wealth of other ones, but veterinary sciences are one of our top majors. We have several graduate programs, uh, the mental, uh, public health, and so we just want to encourage them to go to our website, fvsu.edu. Well, again, fvsu.edu. Make sure you go check out that website. And Marquinta Gonzalez with Fort Valley State University, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us today on Fast Line Fast Track. Oh, thank you. On the next episode of Fast Line Fast Track, we'll talk about the important services offered by university extension programs. But now we want to take you to the Ernest Tubb Record Shop, where we had the chance to catch up with singer-songwriter Erin Enderlin, whose new album Faulkner County dropped the same day as this podcast episode. She shared some of that incredible music with us, and we hope you love it as much as we do. Back on Fast Line Fast Track from the Ernest Tubb Record Shop 417 Broadway, downtown Nashville, Tennessee. And now it is my distinct honor and pleasure to bring in Erin Enderlin. Erin's had songs written and recorded by everybody from Luke Bryan and Alan Jackson to Randy Tra 
Travis, Reba McIntyre, Terry Clark. Earlier this year, she was named the Female Vocalist of the Year and Songwriter of the Year and received the award for the Song of the Year for her song World Without Willie in her home state of Arkansas at the Arkansas Country Music Awards. And she's also won the Songwriter of the Year and Album of the Year in the inaugural Arkansas Country Music Awards in 2018. Erin, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Thanks so much for having me. That's a mouthful. <laughs> That's a lot. A lot of stuff. That's exciting stuff. So t- tell us how a girl from Arkansas finds her way to Nashville and uh, and, and picks up this love of, of country music, traditional, yeah. true traditional country music, the kind we love here on Fast Line Fast Track. You know, I grew up loving country music. I grew up listening with um, my grandparents. My grandpa had a record collection, and it was always a big deal. You had to wait till I got home from work and pull out the record and, you know, dust it off and do the whole thing. And I loved that. And my grandma and I watched a lot of TNN. I uh, love it. Growing up, yeah. So I fell in love with it really early. I love the characters. I love the the way country music feels like a family. Mm-hmm. I love uh, we watch the Opry together and all that good stuff. And I just, uh, you know, I don't remember a time that I wasn't in love with country music. Mm-hmm. And so right out of high school, I moved here and uh, just started started chasing. Uh-huh. Who was in that record collection? Well, um, the first... He made a, my grandpa made me a tape of four records that were, I guess, my favorites when I was four, so that I could listen to them when he wasn't there, when I was not allowed to play the, <laughs> the player. Yeah. Um, and it was Waylon Willie, hmm. the Statler Brothers, Kenny Rogers, and Conway Twitty. Ah, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So, and then I, Reba McIntyre was very soon to follow for me. That was my first album purchase on my own. Uh-huh. Who were some of your other influences? Man, I have so many. I love Merle Haggard, George Jones, uh, Dolly Parton, uh, Susie Boggess, Emmylou Harris. Um, it's just so many, it's hard to name, you know? And I've had people that I have all their albums at home cut my stuff, which is pretty crazy, you know? Like Terry Clark and, and Reba. And um, I just, I love music. I love all kinds of music. I like a lot of singer-songwriter type more of what now I guess they call Americana also uh, Buddy and Julie Miller and um, Kim Ritchie Tracy Berg Gretchen Peters Leslie Satcher mm-hmm. yeah so I know tons of people come to this town every day with the same dream wanting to make it what do you do when you get here? What's the, where's the first place you go? Did you have any clue where you were going to go? Do you have a game plan or how, how did all this shake out? Well, you know, um, I got to come here when I was 16 for Fanfare, which is now CMA Fest, Mm -hmm. and that was really cool, and it was my first chance to see a lot of music live, Mm -hmm. and when I came here at 18, I actually ended up getting a scholarship to go to Middle Tennessee State Mm -hmm. in Murfreesboro, and I started studying the recording industry there, and then I just started coming down to Nashville. They had a lot of, you know, you could find different workshops or talks that people would be giving on things, and just tried to soak up everything I could and learn and go to the writer's nights in town. Um, there's no shortage of great music and music venues here in Nashville. So just tried to, to listen to as much as I could and, and take it in and uh, also just started writing a ton. Mm-hmm. Was that your first attempt at writing when, when you moved to town or had you been writing prior to that? Well, I'm kind of a weirdo, I guess. I was that kid. When I was 10, I started writing songs and take them into my music class to play for play for people and that's I don't I know kind of 
why, I mean, obviously I was in love with music and all that kind of stuff, but what exactly, you know, connected the dots in my brain that that's, that you even write songs, if that's a thing? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Now, uh, I mean, did you have people back home telling you, hey, you're, you're good, you should pursue this, or was this just, hey, I'm just going to pack up and go? Yeah, you know, I had a, my f- first guitar teacher, I started, I took a few lessons when I was 13, and his name was Terry Holmes, and he was a huge influence on me and really helped me to be able to write better the melodies that I was hearing mm-hmm. to go with my songs, and he really encouraged me to come up here. He played with some folks like Chet Atkins and Milo Harris wow. throughout the years, and he was the first person who told me, he was like, you know, people, like, do this. People, like, make music and write songs for a living. Yeah. And that was the first time that um, I really made that connection. And he actually got sick and passed away from cancer, but he'd written me some letters beforehand mm. just encouraging me to continue to follow my dream and not be scared to put myself out there. And, and that really had a huge impact on me. Mm-hmm. So you get to town, you're, you're kicking around doing all this. When did you make the first big connection that really set you on the path that you're on now? Yeah. Um, well, we have... These things called PROs here, performance rights organizations, and they collect money for songwriters from the radio and different things. And I was signed up at ASCAP at the time, and they had a series of free talks from people in the industry that would come in, and you could just hear their story and ask them questions. And a woman by the name of Reese Fall was talking about artist development. Mm -hmm. And I went up afterwards and asked her if I could um, come play her some songs, and I did, and uh, I think maybe they were a little bit too dark and twisty for off the first set, but um, and we're going to get into that a bit later because I got to ask yeah. about that as well. <laughs> and um, I was lucky enough, then she came out to my school to talk, and I got to play her one more song, and I played her a song called Monday Morning Church, mm-hmm. and um, they the class had set it up to where I was like having a fake meeting mm-hmm. with her, and. Um, played her the song and she said I want you to meet my boss and she took me to meet Jeff Carlton who's a a music publisher in town and he loved the song and we started working and he loved it so much he took money out of his own pocket and recorded five demos on me which is where you go in and you get to hear the Nashville musicians that play on all your favorite records bring your songs to life and then he took that song to Keith Stegall it was on hold several times over a couple of years and he, but he ended up taking it to Keith Stegall and Keith played it for Alan Jackson and Alan recorded it with mm. Patty Loveless and they put it out as a single and he actually recorded that my senior year spring break when I was at MTSU so I was lucky enough to get to go straight into writing full time after I graduated uh-huh. wow what what was it like when you got that call that uh, that Alan Jackson was going to pick that up Man, it was really crazy, and I feel like it really didn't seem real. Even when I got to go listen to it on Music Row at Alan's uh, EMI offices, somebody there played it for me, and it seemed like somebody had taken, like, a computer program or something, you know, and they were fooling you. Yeah. (laughs) And computer-generated it. Um, But it was really amazing, and Alan was so gracious. He invited me to come out when he was playing in Nashville and meet him, and... um, he said, nice song, keep it country. <laughs> yeah. And I found out when he got inducted in the Hall of Fame the other year that that was the advice George Jones kept gave him when he first started recording here in town was keep it country. So I was getting secondhand George Jones advice from Alan Jackson. And wow. It's pretty, pretty dang cool. <laughs> and now you have the opportunity yourself to do that. Uh, you, you've taken it that next step, which some people don't always get a chance or they, they may be uh, prolific songwriters, but don't have the chops to also get in the spotlight and do it themselves. But, but, yeah. but you did. When, when did you realize that, that you wanted to uh, take it to that next level and, and keep some of those songs for yourself? 
you know, that's what I moved to town for was singing and and doing that. And I kind of was lucky enough to fall into songwriting. And I think it was good for me to have a couple of years to really dive into that. And uh, I don't think I knew exactly who I wanted to be as an artist yet. I got uh, I was actually on RCA for several years, but I never put anything out there. And then I started getting to work on my own records with uh, my producer, Jim Moose Brown, outside of the label and really get into who do I want to be? What kind of music do I want to do? And um, my first tour I got to go on was with Jamie Johnson and Willie Nelson, which was crazy. And um, got to go out on the road and do that. And that's when it really, I always had that fire there and that desire, but being able to get up on that stage and and watch people's faces when I'm singing my songs and, you know, getting to uh, experience the whole 360 of it. Yeah. Um, it really, really stoked that fire then, and uh, I just started trying to figure out how, how was I going to make records, how was I going to put them out, and how was I going to get out on the road. And the last couple of years, it started started clicking, I think. So you mentioned uh, Jamie Johnson. He is a uh, producer on your new album, Faulkner County. How, how did he all is. that come about? Yeah, Moose um, told Jamie that we were going in the studio. Moose actually introduced me to Jamie way back when he had a crew cut, if that gives you any idea. Because um, they were working together. Moose worked with him on some of his records and um, Jamie said well I want to be a part of that and so then I got to go in the studio with these two great amazing talented musicians I mean Moose and Jamie both are just the you know the triple or quadruple or whatever threats you know Moose can play any instrument he's out on tour with Bob Seger right now as his band leader uh, he writes he sings does it all and Jamie obviously is the kind of artist that I want to be like, you know, he makes music that moves people and is real and that he just loves and you just feel it in your bones. Yeah, I see a lot of parallels there. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I wanted to get back to that, the songwriting. And I'm just going to tell everybody here in all transparencies and all my dealings with you, uh, and I deal with a lot of artists. I'm not just saying this because you're right here in front of me, but 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 one of the nicest, easiest going people that I've worked with. And... Oh. Uh, uh, so I see that side of you, but then I listen to some of these songs, and they do have that dark bent to them, kind of an edgy bent. Where, where does that come from? You know, I, I, um, it's funny. I was listening to Dolly Parton talk about the same kind of thing a little while ago because her first couple records have mm-hmm. some really dark songs that sure. maybe people forget about sometimes. And she was talking about growing up and listening to the records like Knoxville Girl, the Leuven Brothers, and these story songs that really, yeah, I mean... It gets pretty real. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the kind of music I grew up listening to, you know, like the cold, hard facts of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, just, I was drawn to that vulnerability, that real mm-hmm. human element. I love, that's what I love about Tammy Wynette's music. She's not afraid to sing a song where the she, she the character, isn't perfect. They're flawed. And maybe they've made mistakes and done things. And I think... I think that's really great, and I think also people can see parts of themselves in that, too, because I think sometimes if all you see is the perfect, the perfection, mm-hmm. it's hard to understand that, you know, that's not real life. That's yeah. how we go through, and, and I like being able to do those songs that aren't wrapped up in a nice little bow and have that kind of edge of life, and it's fascinating to me, and also I think it gives people a chance to, you know, connect with something and be like, you know, that maybe that's not exactly what I'm going through. I hope not. Sure. But maybe it's something, you know, when Monday Morning Church came out, a woman, um, which just was back before Facebook or anything like that, tracked me down and sent a letter to my publishing company and was talking about how her husband had just died. Um, 
in the last year, and it had been so hard for her, and she felt so guilty because she was so angry, and she was angry with God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, battling with that question that a lot of us have when we go through a tragedy, why? Yeah. You know, and we don't, we don't know those answers. But that song, she said listening to that song made her feel like she wasn't alone. Mm-hmm. And it made her feel not so bad to have, you know, those questions and thoughts. And um, it made her feel a little bit better. And to me, that was, I can't imagine any better reward yeah. for, for doing music. And when you're, like when you're putting pen to paper, you're not, you're not even thinking about that, but that's just one of those residuals that come from it that's just mind-blowing. Yeah. yeah. And I know, I mean, music's been hugely influential on me and has, has really been there for me and made a difference in my life, and so I'm glad that I can be a part of that, mm-hmm. that cycle. But, you know, music is the universal language. Uh-huh. So uh, 2017 comes around. Whiskey Town Crier is, uh, yeah. is is successful, and you start catching ears of people. Uh, uh, what what was that like for that to to come out? And what what did you learn from that experience that you took back into the studio when you did Faulkner County? Man, it was really just. It's really humbling to me. First of all, I mean, I've been in Nashville 19 years now, and I've seen a lot of people's journeys, mm-hmm. people that come to town uh, and been on the road, people who would love to move to town, but life didn't work out that way for them. Yeah. And I feel so lucky to still be here, to have so many great friends and supporters in the music community that have continued to let me make my music. Mm-hmm. And when um, Whiskey Town Crier came out, you always are nervous because there's a way, I mean, you know, kind of when you put your music out there, it's a very personal thing. A little bit, you're just like walking naked out there in yeah. front of everybody waiting to see, you know, if people are going to love it or are they going to, um, you know, use it as a coaster. We don't know. Sure. <laughs> and it was really, really amazing. And to have that reception, to have, I mean, I had some of my heroes come in and get and sing on that record. Mm-hmm. And it was really an awesome awesome feeling and you know the music's led me to be able to do stuff like play the Grand Ole Opry and um, meet my heroes and write with some of my heroes and stuff I'd never dream of you know uh-huh. and uh, th- then you followed that up with an EP project tell us about that and, and uh, wh- why you went that route yeah so the EPs are going to be all I released four and they're all going to be then collected in Faulkner County okay. with two new tracks and I think you know, Whiskey Town, I think they very well flow into each other. It's still all about the characters, about the stories. But I wanted to release it a little bit different this time. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you put an album out there and, and then it's there. And, sure. you know, you're working it for a couple of years, which is great. But I kind of wanted to be able to give a little more attention to each of the songs. And releasing three songs at a time, you kind of get to talk a little bit more about them, make sure they each get the spotlight. And it was also funny, I've uh, done about 100 tour dates this year so far. And so being on that road that much, I kind of started working in some of the new songs with each release. And so that was something fun to keep, you know, me excited about going out there and play something new, fresh, and... um, I just think there's so many different ways to listen to music now. It's kind of fun to to add that in mm-hmm. to the creative process. And um, But I still love records, too. So that's, you know, I get to put it all out on Faulkner County. And now that people have, you know, kind of been able to absorb individually, now they can, you know, I'm going to get to press vinyl for the first time even wow. so they can put it on their turntable and listen to it. That's exciting. Have you gotten an advanced copy of that yet? 
I just got them in. Uh-huh. Well, have you had a chance to play it yet? Yeah. What was that? I was like? listening to it last night, man, and it was just. It's crazy. It's awesome, you know? Uh-huh. Living the dream. I actually, uh, it's really cool. The album comes out on November 1st, and I'm going to get to celebrate uh, just like I'm in country music hog heaven all day, okay? I'm starting off at WSM mm-hmm. in the morning, and then I'm going to come over to Ernest Tub Record Shop and do an album signing at 3.30, and then I'm going to go over to the Ryman Auditorium mm-hmm. and play both shows on the Grand Ole Opry at the Ryman. I mean, it just doesn't get any better. <laughs> no. I mean, how do you top that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so what, yeah, that, that, that does kind of lead me to my next question. How, how do you top that? What, what, what are some of the things that uh, you still aspire to? You, you're still young. You've got a, a lot of career ahead of you, yeah. if that's what you choose to do. And uh, what, who are some of the people you want to work with? What are some of the projects you want to work with? Uh, you know, I, w- I had some ideas on the way over here, some things that I was really excited about maybe being able to record and I'm excited about I've been playing with the trio a lot on the road to be able to do that more and you know get even better at my live show figure out the songs that I want to do for that and how I want to do that and I'm excited to you know it makes me excited every time I go back to a town and you know maybe last time there were 20 people or 30 people maybe this time there's 50 people yeah. and it it really makes me smile to think that you know, it's, it's people are connecting with what I'm doing, and it's just so cool. And so I, I want to keep doing that. You know, I want to keep being, being able to mu- make the music I love. I'm excited to get back and write some more. I haven't written a ton the last year. Um, and also look, look for songs that I fall in love with and, and make more records. And I don't know. I'm nowhere near... I feel like I'm just really starting right now. You know? uh, yeah. I'm so excited about. So is is riding on the road something you do easily? Can you find the time to steal away and, and find quiet time to ride? Or how's that process work for you? Um, it can be tough, especially right now because, um, you know, I'm uh, I'm the driver, <laughs> I'm the merch salesperson a lot of the time and doing it all. But the road is super great for getting ideas. Mm-hmm. And I love doing that. Um, I, you know, it's so easy now. Everybody, you got your iPhone, you got your little notepad in there, and you just do that, or you get an idea for a melody and you just sing it into your um, recorder. And um, so I, I haven't written a ton, a ton on the road, but I love getting the ideas there. Uh-huh. One of the things I found uh, interesting, as you get on the road, uh, you get to poke around different places around the country. And I saw recently you were in uh, South Dakota, snowy South Dakota. Oh, yeah. And I uh, got to check out Deadwood and uh, uh, the uh, resting place of Calamity Jane and Wild Bill Hickok. Uh, what, what led you to that? Yeah, I, you know, I got the opportunity to play a songwriter festival up there. And I've always wanted to visit. I was a big big fan of Calamity Jane growing up. You know, Buffalo Girls Come Out Tonight. I was right there, and I'd actually, you know, written her into a song. I used to play in high school all the time and stuff. And it was really cool to get to walk around and see a little bit of that history and, you know, just get to really, you know, put your feet on the ground there where they were walking around. Uh, yeah, we talked earlier about the record collection and some of the people you listen to. What, have you ever thought about the fact that uh, 30, 40 years from now, uh, with this resurgence of vinyl, people are going to be digging through the crates and finding Aaron Enderlin albums? 
I have, and you know, it's really, really cool to think about. Uh-huh. You know, because you put that music out there, and it lives forever. Uh huh. Especially now, because it's so great. We have, you know, they're going to be cataloging it somewhere in a cloud, you know, on a yeah. computer. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it's really cool. It's cool to know that I've created something that even. When I'm not here anymore, somebody else might discover. Uh-huh. Well, we're certainly excited for all the success that you're having and uh, uh, want to definitely keep up with you. And uh, anytime you ever want to come back on and share new music, you're, you're more than welcome to. Thank you very much. Definitely, definitely part of the family here now. We, we are, are just super proud of what you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. And now we're going to uh, let her get mic'd up here and uh, we're going to let her share some of that music with you. And, uh, man, it's great stuff. So uh, we're going to turn it over and let you listen to music from Aaron Enderlin. Hey, y'all, I'm Aaron Enderlin. I'm here at the Ernest Hub Record Shop, and this is Tonight I Don't Give a Damn. Gene Watson singing farewell party. Single barrel, double shot, all nights. Sitting there talking to a stranger. Cause I don't want to be alone tonight. I should be drinking wine instead of whiskey. I shouldn't be in this bar room. But I am Tomorrow I wake up feeling guilty But tonight I don't give a damn Oh, he's just some old highway cowboy His hands are rough His kisses taste like smoke But it's been so long since you touched me I just might let him take me home And what's a one night stand gonna get me Feeling more alone than I already am Tomorrow I wake up feeling But tonight I don't give a damn I guess I'm just another heart you broke So why should I care if you don't I should be drinking wine instead of whiskey I shouldn't be in this barroom, but I am. Tomorrow I wake up feeling guilty, but tonight I don't give a damn. No, tonight I don't.
This is Aaron Enderlin at the Ernest Hub Record Shop, and this is my song, These Boots. These boots look a little rough, yeah, they've seen better days. Hole in the sole and the side stitching is frayed. But these boots are just like me, stubborn as an old oak tree. Heels dug in and roots run deep, come to sunshine or the rain. Picked him up in Colorado when I played the rodeo. Push a pedal to the metal down this long and winding road. If you wanna get to know someone, walk a mile in their shoes. My heart ain't on my sleeve, it's right here in these boots. These boots get kicked off by the door So they don't track in mud Don't stay there long though Guess traveling's in my blood and These boots have tapped along As I watch some heroes sing my songs Every time I put them on well, They fit me like a glove And I finally got to wear them standing on that opry stage I walked the streets in Bakersfield where Buck and Haggard played If you want to get to know someone walk a mile in their shoes My heart ain't on my sleeve it's right here in these boots So damn hard to hold The secrets they could tell you The stories that they know Well, they won't last forever All but good things never do And I've made some real sweet memories Right here in these boots They're just scuffed up old brown leather But man I love these boots Chase it with a 
a lucky strike I can be your whiskey I can be your cigarette And I can drown that memory That you're trying to forget If your loving cup needs filled up Cause she lifts your bone dry empty Baby, I can be your whiskey My love's stronger than 90 proof Just wait and see what one kiss can do And if you think it's too good to believe Well, don't worry, baby Cause it's rounds on me And I can be your whiskey I can be your cigarette And I can drown that memory That you're trying to forget If your loving cup needs filled up Cause she left your bone dry empty Baby, I can be your whiskey Baby, I can be your one more chance, your one more try. My love can get you so high. I can be your whiskey, I can be your cigarette, and I can drown that memory that you're trying to forget. If your loving cup. Needs filled up She left you bone dry Empty Baby I Can be Your whiskey Oh baby I Can be Your whiskey Those were the incredible sounds of Erin Enderlin. Please go out and get her new album, Faulkner County, and then check her out at erinenderlin.com. We want to thank our friends at Case IH for presenting this episode. We'll be back with more next week. We hope you'll join us and bring along a friend. You've been listening to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group. To learn more about Fast Line's customer-focused marketing solutions, visit fastlinemediagroup.com and check out our brand websites, fastline.com, Big Ag com and pinktractor.com if you have topic suggestions for future podcasts drop us a line at brent.adams at fastline.com something like that